Thank you for that. And as I start, I want to thank Terry for this beautiful built-in step for those of us who are a bit shorter. <laughs> so for any of you, when you come up here, there is now a step if you'd like it. Acts has never been my favorite. It just doesn't engage me or draw me in in the same way the Gospels do. But last Sunday, I had a helpful shift in how to think about Acts. Megan said in her sermon, which I believe was actually from a conversation with Melanie, that Acts gives us a chance to journey along as early followers of Jesus are trying to figure out what it means to live as Jesus taught them, but without Jesus there in flesh with them anymore. Just as we continue to do today. And even though I knew this before, it somehow sunk into me last week in a new, new way, and it makes Acts feel much more relatable. And so I invite you to sink into this story through that lens, thinking of times when you have wrestled with what it means to follow Jesus in our world today, just as Paul and Barnabas seek to follow Jesus in their time and place. So with that lens and invitation, a brief retelling of the story we just heard. Paul and Barnabas are excited. They have been named by the Holy Spirit and sent out by their com community to share the good news of the risen Christ. With the eagerness that comes with the start of a young movement, they jump into action. And in this instance, some miscommunication and, and confusion of identity ensues. It starts out with community, with a group fasting and praying together, much like a local congregation. They are gathered and the Holy Spirit names and calls Barnabas and Saul, who later in the reading is referred to as Paul. Named by the Spirit and affirmed by their community, they are sent out. And what comes next is action. Paul and Barnabas have been moving from town to town, some towns more receptive to them than others. And then they get to Lystra, a quote, backwater rural town. They start their usual teaching and sharing the gospel. And as Paul is talking, he sees an individual who's never been able to walk. He heals that person. And then the crowds are stunned. They think Paul and Barnabas must be gods who have come down to us in human form. And this is a completely understandable assumption in the cultural and religious atmosphere of the town of Lystra. In their view of the world and in their categories, if someone performs a miracle like a healing, it would be understandable to think that they must be a god. And it's a bit comical and telling how the crowd decides which gods they are based on their characteristics, actually just Paul's characteristics. <laughs> Paul is a talker, so he must be Hermes. And Barnabas they call Zeus, so they don't give us an explanation of why. As the events play out, the crowds are speaking amongst themselves in the Lysonian language exclaiming that the gods have come to visit them. 
which leads me to wonder, how do Paul and Barnabas figure out they've been mistaken for gods, since the crowds are speaking in their own native language? Is it when the priest of Zeus starts trying to make a sacrifice right in front of them? Or in the, how the crowds start looking at them? I wonder if for a moment they think, the people have embraced what we've come to share. And then the realization sinks in. We've messed up. They misunderstood us. In this moment, they realize what they have done. And in the shock of what happens, they tear their clothes and run out into the crowd saying, we've miscommunicated. We're actually here to tell you about the living God, the one you can see and experience in the rain from heaven, in the food you eat. They frantically try to redirect, try to correct their mistake. And yet, even with that, they just barely stop the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. Quite a story. And as I read this story through, I kept seeing a movement through it. A movement that I see as valuable to consider for our own individual lives and for the life of our community. It's a movement of listening for the Spirit, God's Spirit, discerning together in community, sending out or affirming a choice, trying something, maybe failing, remembering and redirecting. And what I would add or wish was in this story is a returning back to community to reflect and learn together. Towards the beginning of my internship here, Megan started out our weekly meeting reading a poem called Passover Remembered by Alla Renee Bozart. And it included this stanza. Continue to call each other by the names I've given you to help you remember who you are. You will get where you are going by remembering who you are. These words speak to our deepest calling, our deepest identity. I hear in them the power of naming, naming who we are as God's beloveds, and in that, calling each other by name, calling out the belovedness in one another, and that that will help us remember our deepest identity, remembering who and whose we are, and that remembering will get us to where we are going. So I wonder, could the story of Barnabas and Paul's encounter in Lystra be a story of forgetting? and then being shocked into re-remembering? They're coming into a rural town and speaking and acting without first listening and asking, what is the good news the people of Lystra need to hear? They're sharing the good news of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, who entered into relationship, who listened, and then called out. And yet they're not stopping to listen not creating relationships or being aware of their positionality or their power. Have they forgotten their names? Forgotten their deeper identity and where they're going? 
Through a mistaken identity, they are then invited back into remembering. In this story, I hear an invitation to remember who and whose we are. And as we seek to be followers of Jesus, embracing that that may mean trying something that we may fail at. But not letting the fear of messing up stop us from trying. From taking small and faltering steps forward, rooting and remembering our deepest identity as God's beloved. And so as I wrestled with this text and the parts that made me feel uncomfortable, like what to do with the healing narratives or the ways that stories like this can be and have been used by colonizers coming into a place they don't know and acting without first listening and building relationships, I kept asking, what is the good news? Not the good news that Paul and Barnabas are sharing, but what is the good news we can glean from this? And what I came to was that invitation to remember, to remember in moments that we may step into being misunderstood. And along with that, the permission to try something and fail, and then come back into remembering our deepest identity and our grounding. Paul and Barnabas are called back into remembering their deepest identity by being mistaken as gods. That is the pivotal moment when the crowds are starting to try to worship them, which is appropriate as they seem to have sunk into a savior complex of sorts. And yet that mistaken identity helps them remember. As the poem says, you will get where you are going by remembering who you are. They are returning to what their community sent them out to do, to keep God as the center of what they are communicating. And while it's easy to critique Paul and Barnabas's actions and sobering to consider ways it connects to much worse and violent history of colonization in Christi Christianity, there's an invitation in this story and an invitation for all of us as we are sent out in our workplaces, in our community, and as a church. That there is permission to try something, even with the possibility of messing up. And then the call to remind each other who and whose we are. To remember our grounding, our center, and keep God as central. And as I reflected on this invitation to both sink in the remembering that we are all named beloveds and the permission to go and do even in the risk of messing up, I thought of the words we say each week around our land acknowledgement. We say we gather as newcomers, as settlers on the unceded lands of the Duwamish people. And we seek in small and faltering ways to live in repaired relationship with the peoples of this land. Small and faltering, admitting to and accepting that we will not always get it right. And yet we are taking step forwards knowing we will make mistakes, knowing there will be times when we forget to acknowledge our privilege and our positionality. And we may fall into a savior complex like Barnabas and Paul. 
Yet to do nothing because of the possibility of messing up is not a good option either. The fear of unknown or fear of doing it wrong can lead to paralysis. It can lead to feeling that we need to do more preparation. I'm the type of person that when I'm heading into something new, I feel like I need to read every book ever written on the topic to be fully prepared. <laughs> but I'm realizing this story is an invitation away from that mindset. The fear of failure doesn't mean we should simply spend years and years preparing or reading every book possible. And I'm not saying that education and preparation are not important. As someone in seminary, I would affirm that. Yet, there comes a time to trust and to begin to move forward. It reminds me of the words that we state in our Jubilee document. We have, we acknowledge that we will never resolve all contradictions and paradoxes that are inherent to any faith community. To do otherwise will only result in paralysis and inaction. If we do nothing, we will simply become paralyzed by all the mistakes we could make. What is needed is this cycle of action and reflection. Sometimes we just need to go and do and try, and we need to have a community around us to call us by name and remind us who we are, where we are going, and where our identity is rooted. And it's also important to remember some central good news in this story. We are not gods. God is present within and around us. It is not all dependent on us. Because as Paul says, God didn't leave you without personal evidence of the good things being done for you. God sends the rain from heaven, makes crops grow when they should, and fills your heart with food and gladness. God is with us in our trying. And as we move forward, remembering that God is present with us, our actions are trying something will mean different things for each of us. For some, taking a step forward and trust to be okay with the possibility of making a mistake will look differently. For some, it will mean taking that step forward. For others, it will mean taking a step back to open up space for others to take a step forward. It may mean letting go, letting go of control, letting go of power or wealth. And for others, it may mean claiming your voice, claiming your truth, and taking up all of the space that has been taken from you. And there are some who may need to stop talking and listen, like Paul, or as the Lystra people call him, Hermes, because he was so talkative. And others who may need to speak up, like Barnabas. We don't hear him speak, and I wonder if he spoke up what he may have said. And this is where community comes back in. Paul and Barnabas are sent out by community. 
And I wonder how the story may shift if after leaving Lystra, they return to their sending community to reflect and learn together, to discern and redirect. It highlights the need of community and having a community that is centered in their vision, their hope, and has a grounding. So that when we fail, when we make mistakes, the community is there to embrace and discern anew together. This learning in community is important. Next week will be my last week as pastoral intern here at Seattle Mennonite Church. And at the start of my internship in September, you all spoke words of blessing and laid hands on me, sending me in to these months of my internship. And one of the lines you spoke was, may we provide a safe place to make mistakes, take risks, and learn. You all have done this for me. In this community, I was given the chance for the action and reflection to try various things and learn from them. This community created the space for me to remember who I am and that in that remembering, I will get to where I am going, for which I am so deeply grateful. So may we move forward in small and faltering steps, being aware of our places of privilege, being aware of our biases or our blind spots, asking who is not in the room, whose voice is not being heard, and yet not sinking in the, into the paralysis of all these questions, but moving towards listening and relationship building. And most importantly, rooting and remembering our deepest identity, that we are all God's beloveds. May it be so. Amen.